Howdy, everyone, and thank you again for tuning in to the Jeffersonian Tradition. Before we get started, I have a couple of things to go over. I want to keep bringing y'all high-quality content, but I cannot do that without your support. So please, help buy me a cup of coffee every month and join the Ward Republic by chipping in $5 per month through the supporting listener link in the show notes page. I am not part of a fancy podcasting network, and I don't like the restrictions that come along with certain advertising campaigns. So I am coming to y'all with my hat in my hand. So please help me keep this show going and keep it independent by doing your part and chipping in. If you're not comfortable with a recurring contribution model, I do also have a Cash App profile for the show. So one-time contributions can be sent there. And all of this information is listed in the show notes page as well. And don't forget that Ward Republic membership includes a monthly video conference with myself and the other Ward Republic members. And support monetary freedom today and head over to our sponsor at www.defythegrid.com to purchase your gold bags. I have an affiliate link in the show notes page, and if you use it, I will get a 1% commission, so that'll also help keep the show going. So click on my link in that show notes page and fuel monetary decentralization today. And if you aren't on MeWe yet, then seriously, what are you waiting for? Unlike a certain other social media platform, MeWe respects the right to free speech and offers a privacy bill of rights. So if you'd like to be a member there, then download the MeWe app and search for me at the username Mr. Jeffersonian. The show group is private, so we must be contacts before I can send you the group invite. With all of that fun stuff out of the way, let's now turn our attention to the topic for today's episode. All right, so last time I did a big long series, which was the Senate, I did get some feedback that maybe doing all the episodes consecutively was a little bit taxing on people's attention span. So in light of that fact, what we're going to do is we're still in sort of the middle of our War for Southern Independence series, but I'm going to break that up today and we're actually going to take a look at Southern cultural continuity and we're going to look at this through the lens of Southern music. So we're going to have four different categories. I think this will probably end up being roughly four episodes worth of content. So what we're going to do is study Southern music that rails against authority and the establishment. So basically flying their Confederate flags and saying, we don't care what you think. If you're not from here, then get out because we don't really need you here. So the next category is going to be affirmation. So this will be Southern musicians singing songs in adulation of the place and her people and its way of life. The third category will be reflection. So this one was kind of difficult to really categorize or put an accurate label on, but I think reflection is the most accurate term. So this is this section will mostly focus on songs from the viewpoint of someone who left the family farm or the South altogether, and now they're singing about wanting to go back home. Um, so sort of a, a nostalgic thing. There are some songs that don't really quite fit into that, but that's kind of the overall theme of that category. And then the last category will be agrarianism. So that category is going to focus primarily on songs related to conservation of nature and avoiding the trappings of industrialism while building strong local relationships and acknowledging that man is indeed a special creature. And as we cover these songs, y'all will also realize that quite a few of them have overlapping elements of each category as the artist is singing about a place, people, and way of life that they genuinely love. So just keep that in mind as we're going through this. See if you can pick out the different elements and say, oh, well, look, in, you know, in this stanza, they're singing about this, but then in this stanza, they're singing about that. So I hope y'all enjoy it. I did have an absolute ball putting these episodes together. So I really do hope y'all enjoy the music as much as I do if y'all choose to listen to these songs. And with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump right in. So again, our first category is going to be defiance and defense. 
And so the very first song that we're going to talk about is a Confederate camp song that actually popped up towards the end of the war. It's called Southern Soldier. And this song is written from the point of view of your frontline average Joe Confederate private, right? It's, it's not written from the Southern Gentry's viewpoint. So the very first verse, he says, I'll place my knapsack on my back, my rifle on my shoulder, and I'll march away to the firing line to kill that Yankee soldier. And so there he's talking about, uh, you know, actually going and doing the frontline fighting. But then he goes on to say in another stanza, if I am shot on the battlefield and I should not recover, who will protect my wife and child and care for my aged mother? So here he's talking about, look, I, I have these very real concerns. I'm more than happy to go and fight. But if I am shot, who's going to take care of my family? And this is something, especially when the war was over, this is something that became an all too real concern because the Confederacy was was destitute or, or the South at this point was destitute. Again, the vast majority of their capital had been expended in the war effort. So it was a very long time before Confederate survivors were awarded any sort of pensions or anything like that. So they were punished with poverty as a region. The South was punished with poverty. But here you have, you know, a theoretical Southern soldier kind of pondering that question as the war still going on, like, oh, my gosh, what happens if I get shot? And then in the next stanza, he talks about if our Southern cause is lost and Southern rights denied us, we'll be ground beneath the tyrant's heels for our demands of justice. So what does he actually ask in there? He's saying, well, look, if, if the South loses its cause and what was its cause? It wasn't slavery. It was independence. So if the South loses its cause for independence then we're going to be ground beneath the northern industrial hill. And again, during Reconstruction, that definitely did happen. And so by the end of the war now in the South, I, will, I, I do want to make this clear. You did start to have a lot of southern desertion. Now, it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I'm honestly surprised they, they had as many men left at the end as they did. But I say that because this next stanza, the verse goes, Before the South shall bow her head, before the tyrants harm us, I'll give my all to the Southern cause, and I'll die in the Southern army. So he's talking about, look, I don't care what it takes, but before we are broken, I will give everything I have. I will die in this army. I will die for this cause of independence. And again, this is written from the viewpoint of a frontline Southern soldier. This is not a Southern gentry uh, or Southern gentleman slaveholder. This is written from the frontline view. And then the very last verse, he says, Then heaven be with us in the strife, be with the southern soldier. We'll drive the mercenary horde beyond our southern border. And so he's calling the northerners mercenaries because of the inducements they had to fight. In the Confederate military, you had a situation, especially by the end of the war, the inflation was so bad and the government was so strict. I'm not going to say that the government was inept, but the government was so strict that they didn't make proper appropriations by the end of the war Southerners really didn't even have proper rations. Um, Y'all have probably heard when Robert E. Lee surrendered, Grant was magnanimous enough to give him rations. Now, the funny thing about that is it was actually Confederate rations that Grant's uh, cavalry had stolen or raided. So just keep that in mind. But very good song here. Uh, Again, the title of it is Southern Soldier, the best rendition of it I've ever seen. If you go on YouTube... There is a band called Second South Carolina String Band. They're going to make a couple of appearances on this list. But they actually did a version of this. I believe it was for the 150th anniversary of Gettysburg. And they did a medley of this in Dixieland. And that that is a beautiful, beautiful version of the song. 
So y'all should check that out. Uh, again, just go on YouTube, search up Second South Carolina String Band Southern Soldier. It should probably be the first result that pops up there in your search. But then we're going to go ahead and move into our next song, which is the Bonnie Blue Flag. And so for all of y'all in the MeWe group, you've probably noticed the show's backdrop that I have is the Bonnie Blue Flag. Well, what does that flag stand for? Well, it actually came about during the Western Florida Republic, and it's a very strong symbol of secession, the single star representing a breakaway country, essentially. So the Bonnie Blue Flag, the song, though, it came about in 1861. Uh, it was written as a kind of a, a rah-rah propaganda song. But the lyrics of it are very interesting. When, when you start looking at what the South is saying they want to break away for, they're not talking about slavery. Now, you know, again, a lot of modern people will say, well, obviously they're not going to talk about slavery, slavery in their propaganda, but they're not talking about that. And same thing with Southern Soldier. There's nothing in there about slavery. It's all about cause and comrade. So Bonnie Blue Flag, though, is a little bit different. It's, it's all about independence here. So the very first verse, it says, We are a band of brothers and native to the soil, fighting for our liberty with treasure, blood, and toll. And when our rights were threatened, the cry rose near and far, hurrah for the Bonnie Blue Flag that bears a single star. And so, again, they're, they're talking about their rights. Their right to what? Their right to self-government. Their right to form their own societies. And so then the next verse, they talk about northern abuses, which is very interesting. So it says, as long as the union was faithful to her trust, like friends and like brethren, kind were we and just. But now when northern treachery attempts our rights to mar, we hoist on high the bonnie blue flag that bears the single star. And so then you have, uh, they talk about South Carolina being the first to nobly take the stand, and then came Alabama to take her by the hand. So you, you have a lot of love for the states who were willing to take the stand with South Carolina. And then the, one of the verses here towards the end of the song, he says, Here's to brave Virginia, the old Dominion state, who with the young Confederacy at length has linked her fate, impelled by her example, now other states prepare to hoist on high the bonnie blue flag that bears the single star. And then by the next to last verse, you have the author or the, the artist basically cheering because now you have Arkansas and North Carolina have also finally gone out. And then Tennessee was the last state to secede in June of 1861. And they're, they're just so happy because they say in this verse, the single star of the Bonnie Blue Flag has grown to be 11. So very awesome song. I, I, this is a really jaunty tune, in my opinion, very fun tune. A lot of these old Confederate songs were actually based on older Irish folk songs, which makes a lot of sense because the, the Southern people, by and large, were the Ulster Scots or the Scots-Irish. So it was very interesting to see kind of the, the continuity of music there from the old world to the new and, and how all these songs kind of played themselves out to very old traditional tunes. And the very last verse of this one, before we move on to our next song, he says, Then here's to our Confederacy, strong we are and brave. Like patriots of old, we'll fight our heritage to save. And rather than submit to shame, to die we would prefer. So cheer, cheer for the Bonnie Blue Flag that bears a single star. And I wonder what patriots he's talking about there. Could it possibly be the patriots of 1776? That's that's kind of what I think. You know, I, I, obviously I'm being sarcastic. Yes, very clearly he's talking about the patriots of 1776. And he's referencing the struggle for Southern independence in the same light as the American struggle for, for excuse me, for independence earlier. So, he, and there he's, he's saying it, we're fighting to save our heritage. Heritage of what? Decentralization and self-government. In other words, states' rights. So 
very awesome song. Again, this is the Bonnie Blue Flag. Uh, my favorite version of this that I've heard so far is actually by Bobby Horton. So y'all can search that on YouTube as well. A uh, very, very catchy tune and song. And then our next song is also going to be another camp song from the War for Southern Independence. This one is the Confederate version of the Battle Cry of Freedom. So if y'all like the intro and outro music to my show, that's actually what it is. It's a guitar rendition that I did of, of the Battle Cry of Freedom, uh, specifically the Confederate version, because this song actually was originally written as a Unionist rallying song, uh, but Southerners liked the tune so much they decided to write their own lyrics and kind of reappropriate it for their purpose. So this one, it's powerful in the sense that it, it's very emotional in, in terms of what it's trying to convey through the lyrics. So the second verse says, Our gallant boys have marched to the rolling of the drums. Shout, shout the battle cry of freedom. And the leaders in charge cry out, Come, boys, come. Shout, shout the battle cry of freedom. Now, I, that I think to me is emotional because when I think of that particular verse, I think about things like Pickett's Charge, the Battle of Franklin, these huge frontal assaults that, that unfortunately failed miserably. And so you, but you still have their gallant Southern soldiers rallying to the rolling of the drums and rallying to their leaders. And then in the third verse, you have, they have laid down their lives on the bloody battlefield, shout, shout the battle cry of freedom. And their motto is resistance to the tyrants never yield, shout, shout the battle cry of freedom. And so again, very powerful imagery there being conveyed. So you, you have these men on this huge field of carnage who are basically saying, it does not matter how many of us die. Our motto is resistance to the tyrants will not yield or will never yield. It depends on which version of the song you're listening to. So again, Bobby Horton does a wonderful version of this. Y'all can find that on YouTube as well. And just a, just a really great song, and especially Bobby Horton's version. The music that he does within it is also very somber. So when you get to the end of it, he does this little cool thing with his guitar where he kind of just picks it out and you can hear, you can almost hear the words in, in the way he's playing the guitar. So very interesting there, the, the way that he puts that piece together. But the next song that we're going to look at, this is one of our first modern songs. And again, this is under the category of defiance and defense. And the level of continuity here is is just unbelievable in my opinion so this song is going to be by one of the south's favorite sons hank williams jr uh, if y'all don't know uh, because you're not in me we group i am actually a huge bo cephas fan uh, literally i was born and raised on that even though i came uh, uh, on the scene a little bit after his time but i was born and raised on hank williams jr i have always loved his music and hank is from alabama he was actually originally born i think in shreveport he, I, he was born somewhere in louisiana i want to say it was in shreveport but he lived in Alabama, and his dad, Hank Williams Sr., one of the true first giants of country music, uh, was also born and raised in Alabama, so multi-generational Southern family there. But this song is going to be The South's Gonna Rattle Again by Hank Williams Jr. And in this song, he's really just kind of praising the Southern cultural revival that was taking place. So you had a, a Southern cultural revival that started probably around the late 1930s, and then it really came into full force in the 1970s and lasted, honestly, from what I can find, through about the late 1980s, maybe the very early 1990s. But Hank's writing this song still kind of in the middle of, of that apex of the Southern cultural revival. So his first verse there, here, he says, I got my mind on Dixie. I got rambling in my shoes. Merle, he's a drinking that free bubble up. So he's talking about Merle Haggard and the song Rainbow Stew here. Uh, but Merle, he's a drinking that free bubble up and eating that rainbow stew. 
Now Jones, and he's talking about George Jones. Now Jones ain't playing no possum, and he's a number one country man. Charlie done run the devil out of Georgia, Lord, and the South's going to rattle again. And so he's talking about y'all can't keep us down. Uh, who you know, talking to the Yankees and the establishment really, because Hank was was one of the huge outlaws of of the country music scene. Uh, him, Waylon, Willie, Merle, Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash. You you had a huge outlaw movement that was predominantly driven by Southerners. So Hank is basically saying to the establishment, y'all will not hold us down. You cannot hold us down. The South's going to rattle again. And I just love the chorus. So the chorus, he says, the South's going to rattle again. Yeah, the South's going to rattle again. We got some big old silver eagles, and we're flying all over this land. And you can bet I brag on that rebel flag, and you can damn well count me in because the ground's going to shake like a big rattlesnake, and the South's going to rattle again. And so I just love that. As y'all can tell, that's really getting my batteries charged here just as I'm reading it. So I love the chorus there, but he's taught, again, the, the main theme here is no matter what you do to us, you're not going to hold us down. At some point, the South is going to rattle again. Or, or in his day, the South was, in fact, rattling again because Southern culture was just dominating the pop culture scene. I mean, think about what you had going on at this time. Dolly Parton, one of the biggest uh, musical stars at the time but she was also starting to take over the movie scene she did a lot of movies uh, and then you have the dukes of hazard obviously around this point and waylon jennings and willie nelson were two of the most iconic stars of this period of country music along with hank and so you just have all these huge southern influences in pop culture at this time and, and hank is just giving a full-throated defense of it I, I mean he loves it and defiance because he's like it doesn't matter. Like, y'all do what you want to, but we have all this stuff, and the South is rattling again, or the South is going to rattle again. So, again, I love this song. One of my very favorite Hank Williams Jr. songs, not going to lie. Probably probably number one or number two, really, depending on what day you ask me. And then the next song that we're going to cover is a song by Charlie Daniels. So, Charlie Daniels from North Carolina, and this one is called Long-Haired Country Boy. And again, this is just straight on defiance of talking about if you don't like the way I'm living, you just leave this long-haired country boy alone. So he's talking here in the first stanza. He says, people say I'm no good and crazy as a loon because I get stoned in the morning. I get drunk in the afternoon. I'm kind of like my old blue tick hound. I like to lay around in the shade and I ain't got no money, but I damn sure got it made. So what is he saying there? I mean, he's talking about the leisurely, slower-paced Southern way of life. Now, you know, the South was criticized for a long time, and maybe rightfully so, because its people were not very efficient. Its labor systems, historically, were not very efficient. But Charlie Daniels is saying it doesn't matter. I, I don't necessarily need the money. I ain't got no money, but I got it made. And so he's talking about all these wonderful old themes that you see throughout Southern history. Because people have been saying this about, especially in the Virginia area, people were saying this about Virginians all the way back in the 1600s about how the land was so bountiful it made them lazy and they didn't want to do anything. But the native Virginians said, well, look, we've been blessed with all this stuff. Food is basically bursting from the land. Yeah, we, we're going to take it easy. We're, we're as close to paradise as you can probably get on earth. And here's Charlie Daniels, you know, 400 years later almost, or a little over 300 years later at this point, uh, singing about this because this song was released in 1974. So just a, a, an incredible continuity there of what it means to be Southern. And then in the 
chorus, he says, I ain't asking nobody for nothing if I can't get it on my own. And if you don't like the way I'm living, you just leave this long hair country boy alone. So again, that is the defiance piece of that. He's like, I don't care if you don't like it. If you don't like it, just leave me alone. So uh, you do you and I'll do me. That is a very Southern mentality there. So uh, awesome song here from CDB. And so the next song we're going to cover is I'm a Good Old Rebel. This is another older song. It's first kind of started making its appearance at around 1866 from what I've been able to find. And it was actually released as a poem in the newspapers, in the, in the Southern newspapers, as Reconstruction is really starting to take root. And now this song is very bitter. Uh, there, there's no two ways about it. This is a very, very bitter song, but it's also a song that has some defiance in here. And my favorite version of this song is Hoyt Axton's version. Um, Hoyt Axton was was a Southerner, and he was also an actor. So it, very glad that Hoyt did this because I, I love his version of the song. Bobby Horton does one, too. Um, honestly, I'm not a big fan of the Horton version, although Bobby does actually include all of the lyrics, whereas Hoyt Axton kind of did an abridged version. So I, I like Hoyt's performance better, but Bobby includes the whole song. So the lyrics of this one, though, again, are very bitter, but they are also full of spit and defiance. This is the ultimate manifestation of an unreconstructed Southerner. So it starts off, oh, I'm a good old rebel. Now that's just what I am. And for this Yankee nation, I do not give a damn. I'm glad I fought again her. I only wish we'd won, and I don't want no pardon for anything I've done. So li- listen to what he's saying there. He's like, I'm glad I fought. I don't I don't want to be reconstructed. I don't want no pardon. I got nothing to be sorry about. And then he goes on to say, I hate the Yankee Nation and everything they do. I hate that Declaration of Independence, too. I hate this glorious union. It is dripping with our blood. I hate that striped banner. I fought it all I could. And so, again, he, he is just spitting venom with this. A, a very bitter song. Uh, I, I mean, I, I probably would have felt the same way if I were a Southerner in 1866. So very, very bitter lyrics here. But, again, full of defiance. And, honestly, it's, it's still a catchy song, especially if you listen to Hoyt Axton's version. Despite the contents of the lyrics, it's a very catchy tune. And then... He's talking about in this next stanza, I rode with Robert E. Lee for three years thereabout, got wounded in four places, and I starved at Point Lookout. I caught the rheumatism of camping in the snow, but I killed a chance of Yankees, and I wish I, or excuse me, and I'd like to kill some more. So he's still, again, just saying, I am not reconstructed. Y'all put a musket in my hand right now, I'm going to shoot at you some more. And so... A uh, very interesting song here, but then the last stanza is, I can't take up my musket and fight them around no more, but I ain't going to love them, now that is certain sure. And I don't want no pardon for what I was and am. I won't be reconstructed, and I do not give a damn. And so just a, a wonderfully defiant song here, even in the face of Confederate defeat and Reconstruction, just a wonderfully defiant song saying, it doesn't matter what you do to me. I, I'm not going to love you, and I won't be reconstructed. And I, if y'all give me a gun, I'm telling you, I'm going to shoot at you again. So I love that song. Again, Hoyt Axton's version is my favorite, but if you want to hear the song in its entirety, Bobby Horton does an, an okay version as well. And then the next song we're going to talk about is a modern song, another modern song. This one is, again, by Hank Williams Jr. This is called Gibbonsville Gold. And so this song is very interesting. He released this on his album Stormy, uh, which came out on October 30th, 1989. 
But he's writing this song from the viewpoint of a Southern cavalry man after the war. So everything has been swept away. And actually, let me just read the first verse. He says, my name is Bill Harlan. I'm a God-fearing man from the Lost Rebel Army, a Tennessee cavalry man. From Shiloh to Nashville, we made our last stand. And when the battles were over, everything we had was gone with the wind. And so if y'all have ever seen the movie Gone with the Wind or read the book Gone with the Wind, there's a little thing at the at the beginning of it where it talks about Southern society was a feudal society. It was a noble society. It was an honor-based society. But when the war was over, everything was gone with the wind, and, and hence the name. So Hank is basically saying here, everything that we ever had as, as Southerners, everything that we had before the war, it's gone. But what does he still have? What does he still have? So he goes on to answer that question. He says, but I still had my family and a hope and a dream. And I heard of gold fever in the Rocky Mountain streams. So we took what we had and some gold digging gear and we set out for a new life on the Northwest frontier. And so this song is basically about the Southern family who's destitute and they strike out in the gold rush, you know, a gold rush in the 1860s or 1870s. And they go to Montana Territory, and he's talking about how hard the life is here because he says in the second verse, every morning at daylight with a pick and a pan, keep an eye out for the black feet, keep a rifle near hand. Back shooters and grizzlies better stay alert all the time because the only law here in this wild country is the gun and the knife. So he's talking about this is a rough place, but I still have my family. It's fine. We we can make it. We just got to find our share of that Gibbonsville gold. So... Very interesting imagery here. Again, talking about somebody who was destitute, but they're like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to strike out and I'm going to go settle this new territory and I'm going to make a life of my own. It doesn't matter what they've done to me during Reconstruction or what the war did to me. As long as I have my family, I can still make it. But then it's very sad. It's very sad because in the second half of verse 2, he talks about his son. He says, in the year of our Lord, 1869, I lost my dear son to a cave-in at the mine. Yes, I know he's gone. Please, God, rest his soul. So many have died trying to find that damn Gibbonsville gold. And so it very touching song. But again, it shows that streak of defiance and defense that it doesn't matter what you do to me. Ultimately, I will not be held down. If you make it untenable here in my native homeland, that's fine. I will pick up. I will go and I will settle this new territory no matter how rough it is. And then the last portion of the song, the outro here, he says, there's a whole lot more down there. My share of that main mother load. I've made up my mind and I swear to find that Gibbonsville gold. So very awesome song here. Um, one of Hank's later songs until, because uh, Hank sort of went on a hiatus around that point, And then he started making a lot more um, albums I, in kind of like in the early 2010s. I, I'm not a big fan of his later stuff. I, unfortunately, I think he just kind of, he, he has an axe to grind, it seems like. But early Hank and all the way up until about mid-90s Hank, I absolutely love him. Absolutely love Hank Williams Jr. And then the next song that we're going to talk about is a song that was... The only version I've ever heard is by Waylon Jennings, but it's actually a variation on I'm a Good Old Rebel. So Waylon Jennings produced this song. There was a, a compilation effort. They had a lot of different artists come in and record songs of the Civil War or songs for the War for Southern Independence, as I would call it. But the official name of the album is Songs of the Civil War. And Waylon Jennings recorded this song called An Old Unreconstructed. And he's talking again, because it's in the same vein as I'm a Good Old Rebel, 
He's talking from the point of view of someone who has not been reconstructed and refuses to be reconstructed. So the first verse here, and this is a very short song. He says, I rode with old Jeb Stewart and his band of Southern horse. There never were no Yankees that could beat us force to force. They never did defeat us, but we never could evade their dirty foreign politics and cowardly blockade. And so here he's talking about when Lincoln blockaded the Southern ports. And then he's also talking about the Yankee meddling in foreign affairs as the South was trying to gain international recognition or the Confederacy was trying to gain international recognition and then he goes on to kind of commemorate his comrades and, and just how good of a fight they put up given the circumstances. So he says, we hadn't any money, or excuse me, we hadn't any powder and we hadn't any shot and we hadn't any money to buy what we ain't got. So we rode our worn out horses and we ate on plain corn meal, but we licked them where we caught them with Southern guts and seals. So there he's saying it didn't matter. You know, they, they were much more well equipped than we were, but that didn't matter. We still beat them. Every time we found them in the field, we still beat them. And then I just love this next stanza. He says, We sunk the ship at Sumter and we broke her plumb in two. We showed them bully Yankees just what we aimed to do. At a little creek called Bull Run, we took their starry rag to wipe our horses down with, and I ain't here to brag. So I love that verse. I, I just absolutely love that verse. Now that's funny because, you know, Southerners, they, they have a way of embellishing and telling tall tales, this, that, and the other. And so I love that there's homage to that even from a song that or a poem that was written all the way back in the 1860s, maybe early 1870s, I absolutely love that there's that sort of cultural continuity because even now, if you get a Southerner in a contest, one-on-one, that Southerner's going, he's going to be full of bluff and bluster. And he's, he's going to think he can stare you down no matter who you are. And we're going to see that in another song here in a second. But I, I love that there's homage to this and that there's continuity even over even after the Confederate defeat and even after Reconstruction, you still have that today in the South. Southern, especially young Southern men, you will you will be hard pressed to find someone more full of natural confidence, some would say arrogance, than what you're gonna find there. So I just love the continuity here. And then in the last stanza, he says well, there aren't as many left of us as rode out at the start, and then there are the weary, weak, and body sad of heart. And this is the part I really wanted to focus on. He says, We fought a fight to tell about, and I am here to say, I'd climb my horse and follow Mars, talking about Robert E. Lee there, to hell come any day. And so he's saying, It doesn't matter. We've been broken, we've been defeated, but I tell you what, we fought a fight to tell about, so we we at least let them know that we were there. And I'm still here to say, I right now, I would climb my horse and follow Mars to hell come any day. So again, I love that because you still have that in the South, that unbroken confidence, self-assuredness. They say, it doesn't matter. You may have licked us once, but go ahead. Let, let's get back on the horse and try again. So I just absolutely love this version of I'm a good old rebel again. I, I don't really know what the official history of this is, because when, when this poem was written, there were several different versions that came out attributed to several different authors. But this one, I really like it. It's, it's short. That's why I read the whole thing. So very interesting song here. And again, you can find a recording of this by Waylon Jennings. Uh, if you watch it on YouTube, he's actually, he recorded it in front of a huge Confederate flag and it's just him and a drummer sitting there. Uh, Waylon's got his guitar and then his drummer's sitting there. And it's just them in front of the Confederate flag, and Waylon's just kind of sitting there, and he looks very reminiscent, talking about what he perceives as the good old days. So awesome song there. And then the next song that we're going to talk about, again, another modern song here, 
this one was recorded by George Jones, and George Jones was from Texas, so he was uh, he was the possum, is what they called him. And then for a while, he was married to Tammy Wynette, who was the first lady of country music. But this song is White Lightning, so a lot of y'all may already know this song, and it's just awesome, and it shows that defiance because it's talking about a old man who who's still a uh, moonshiner, and he just refuses to be subdued by the G-Men, the T-Men, and the Revenuers too. So awesome song here, and then it's got a you know a uh, shout out to country southerners versus city slickers. So he's got this part in here. He says a city slicker came and he said, "I'm tough. I think I want to taste that powerful stuff." He took one slug and he drank it on down, but I heard him moaning as he hit the ground. So mighty mighty pleasing, pappy's corn squeezing, and then white lightning. So. Just an awesome song there. Again, full of defiance. He says, look, we're, we're just going to keep on cooking. It doesn't matter. Because uh, the, the, the G-Men, the T-Men, the Revenuers, too, were searching for the place where Pappy made his brew. They were looking, trying to book him, but my Pappy kept a cooking. And so it doesn't matter. It, you can come after me all you want. I'll just outsmart you, and I'm just going to keep doing my own thing and getting by. So, I, again, I love the defiance of this song as well. And then the next song that we're going to talk about is another throwback. This one is the former Maryland state song. Now Maryland, unfortunately, has repealed this state song. But it's Maryland, My Maryland. And I didn't know this song was sung to the tune of O Tannenbaum or O Christmas Tree, whatever you want to call it. But this song is so full of defiance. I mean, I'd always heard this, but I'll be completely honest. I'd never actually gone through and read the lyrics and actually listened to the song until I got ready to start doing this episode. So the first verse, it says, The despot's hill is on thy shore, Maryland, my Maryland. His torch is at thy temple door, Maryland, my Maryland. Avenge the patriotic gore that flecked the streets of Baltimore and be the battle queen of yore, Maryland, my Maryland. And so there they're talking about the riots in Baltimore at the onset of the secession crisis when you had a quite a few Baltimore residents get shot down in the streets and they're saying, we must avenge this. So the Despot's Hill, he's talking about the North. That, that's what the song is talking about. And then the writer goes on to say, Dear Mother, burst the tyrant's chain. Maryland, my Maryland. Virginia should not call in vain. Maryland, my Maryland. So he's saying, look, Virginia is calling to her sister state here. We need to join her. We need to join the other southern states. And there's an awesome book on this. I have not gotten to read it yet, but I have read some synopsis of it. It's called Maryland, the South's First Casualty. So once upon a time, Maryland was very much so a Southern state. And as we get back to the series on our study of the war for Southern independence, there's actually going to be a document from General Lee that I read when when they start the Maryland campaign um, that kind of really gives you an insight on what the outlook in Maryland actually was at the time. But the Lincoln administration had been ruthless. I mean, absolutely ruthless in suppressing Maryland. So they Lincoln had jailed most of the state legislature. Otherwise, Maryland probably would have seceded. But here, the author of the song, again, is saying, Dear Mother, burst the tyrant's chain, talking about the Lincoln administration in the North. Maryland, my Maryland. Virginia should not call in vain. Maryland, my Maryland. She meets her sisters on the plain. Semper, tis the proud refrain. Thus always, so that that's a shout out to Virginia, six Semper Tyrannus, thus always to tyrants. That baffles minions back again, Maryland, my Maryland. And then in the last two stanzas, just very powerful here, he says, Thou wilt not yield the tyrants, or excuse me, thou wilt not yield the vandal toll. So he's saying, look, we're not going to pay these plunderers, these savages, these barbarians. Uh, we're, we're not going to side with them, talking about the North. 
So thou wilt not yield the vandal toll, Maryland, my Maryland, that wilt not cook, excuse me, that wilt not crook to his control, Maryland, my Maryland. Better the fire upon thee roll, better the blade, the shot, the bowl, than crucifixion of the soul, Maryland, my Maryland. So look, he's saying it is better that we should suffer utter devastation than to crucify our principles and our soul. Better that we endure that than to not do the right thing here and go with the South and secede and break this tyrant's chain. So you got to tie that back to the previous verse as well. And then the very last stanza, it says, I hear the distant thunder hum, Maryland, my Maryland, the old line's bugle, fife and drum, Maryland, my Maryland. She is not dead, nor deaf, nor dumb. Whose awe she spurns the northern scum. She breathes, she burns, she'll come, she'll come. Maryland, my Maryland. And now, unfortunately, Maryland never actually did uh, cast off the tyrant's chain. But you did have some Marylanders who fled to Virginia and did take up arms for the South. But the, the state as an entity, it, it never, unfortunately, it never left. But again, the Lincoln administration was extremely ruthless in suppressing Maryland because if Maryland went, now you got the capital completely in enemy territory or completely in Confederate territory. So powerful song here. Uh, it's unfortunate, in my opinion, that Maryland repealed it as the official state song, but it is full of defiance to the Leviathan. And then the next song that we're going to look at is Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner. And this song was released in 1974 on their album, Second Helping. And this one doesn't really need all that much explanation. I mean, this is a very popular song. So I'm assume, I'm going to assume that most of you know this because I trust that y'all have good musical taste. But we are going to focus on a couple of things here. So he's talking about I heard uh, talking about Neil Young here. He said, well, I heard Mr. Young sing about her. I heard old Neil put her down. I hope Neil Young will remember a Southern man don't need him around anyhow. So again, we have this very long strand of defiance through Southern music. They're saying, look, if you're not from here, we don't care. We do not care. We don't need you here anyway. So I absolutely love Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, as cliche as it might be, I mean, it's one of Skinner's biggest hits, if not their biggest hit. My favorite song by them would actually be Curtis Lowe, but this is just a wonderful song, wonderful song. So, and it's full of defiance. Again, talking about being proud of being Southern. We have no shame in our heritage, this, that, and the other. So awesome song here. And then the next song is also another really popular song released by Charlie Daniels in 1979. This is The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And this is what I'm talking about. When you have Southern men who were so self-assured, in this song, you have just a, an average farmer. <laughs> you know, he's he's out there in the woods, and the devil comes up and asks him, uh, do, do you want to have a contest? And this sucker is so full of himself that he says, yeah, yeah, he has no doubt whatsoever that he can beat the devil in a fiddling contest. So it, it's pretty awesome. And Johnny, at the end of the song, uh, it says the devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat and he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. And Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best that's ever been. And so, I, I mean, wow, you know, who who's going to have the wherewithal to just tell the devil, look, I done told you once I'm the best that's ever been. So you just you, come on back. You want to try another time? You want to get beat a second time? Come on back. So I love that. I, again, you have... The destitution of the Confederate collapse after the war and the horrible, horrible period of Reconstruction. But through all that, through all that, you still have this Southern pride. And I love that. I absolutely love that. 
And then the next song that we're going to talk about is another Charlie Daniels song. And this one, I, I don't know how big it was in its day. I will tell you, it's it's probably one of my top five Charlie Daniels songs that I like. But it was released in 1989. It's called Simple Man. And this is nothing like Leonard Skinner's Simple Man. So in this song, Charlie Daniels is writing from the point of view of an average Southerner uh, or an average redneck. He doesn't explicitly say Southerner, but because of his heritage, we, we can make an inference there. But he's talking about how I have to work like a dog to make ends meet, but there's crooked politicians and crime in the streets, and he's just madder than hell, and he ain't going to take it no more. So then he talks about you have an issue where, you know, we have these big just say no campaigns for drugs uh, where we tell our kids that, but then judges are, are going back on their word and they're letting drug dealers back out on the town. And he says, if I had my way with people selling dope, I'd take a big tall tree and a short piece of rope. I'd hang them up high and let them swing till the sun goes down. So you have some calls for vigilante justice here, uh, if you want to look at it that way. But what could, what else could we say? Well, they want authority to handle their problem locally. And if you have a problem locally where you've warned somebody, you've tried to put them in jail, and it's still not working, okay, then you take the problem out. And this this song, I guess, was kind of controversial when it was released. It would definitely be controversial today. But a lot of people were already kind of turning against the death penalty at this point. And Charlie Daniels, there's actually an interview that he did um Maybe with Arsenio Hall. I, I honestly, I, I apologize. I can't remember, but there is a, an interview he did about this song in particular. And he was just talking about, I, I don't care if people want to get mad, get mad, but I, I'm mad too. That's why I wrote the song. And he goes on to say in the song, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there ain't no excuse for the raping and the killing and the child abuse, but I've got a way to put an end to all of that mess. You just take them rascals out in the swamp, put them on their knees, tie them to a stump, and let the rattlers and the bugs and the alligators do the rest. And how cogent is that, now that we're talking about the don't say gay bill that actually does not say that at all in Florida, and you have all these teachers coming out saying, well, I want to be able to talk about this stuff with minors, very young minors, you know, in some instances as, as young as four or five years old, it is interesting because in the 90s or in the very late 80s here, you have people coming out and calling this stuff out back then, and now nothing was done about it, and look where we are. You have teachers openly saying, I want to talk about this kind of stuff with four- and five-year-olds. So interesting song. Uh, again, it captures a lot of anger, uh, so it depending on what your mindset is for any given day, this is a, a pretty good song to listen to, get you amped up. And then the next song that we're going to talk about is Hank Williams Jr. again, A Country Boy Can Survive. Uh, this is also an extremely popular song, so won't really need all that much explanation. But this was released on his album, The Pressure Is On, and it came out in 1981. And Hank is just saying, I don't need anything that you have. A anybody who's tied into the normal mainstream way of living, I don't need all that because I'm a country boy. I can survive. And he's talking about, this again, a Southern way of life. He says, I live in the backwoods, or I live back in the woods, you see, my woman and the kids and the dogs and me. I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. But then he goes on to talk about how he can plow a field, he can catch fish, he can grow tomatoes and make homemade wine. So what he's saying here is, look, it doesn't matter what the stock market does. It doesn't matter what you do. I don't care. I'm self-subsistent, and so I'm going to survive. And that's that's a very agrarian-based theme. So th this song is actually one of the ones I was talking about that had overlap. But that's what the agrarians wanted. They wanted people who were self-subsistent, at least as far as their food went. 
and then you can find ways to make enough cash to pay your taxes and, and get some uh, some of the other things that you may need day to day. But Hank is is just full on saying, look, I don't care about anything to do with the normal system. I am out of the system. This is what I'm doing. This is what the country folks are all going to be doing. And so very good song there. But the last song that we're going to cover today, uh, I tried to do 15 songs per category. So I, I wanted to give you guys a whole bunch of songs to get through if you haven't heard these. But the last song that we're going to cover today is another song by Charlie Daniels. It's What This World Needs is a Few More Rednecks. And so this song, he is basically saying we need people who are not afraid to take a stand. So actually in the, in the very first uh, stanza here, he says, What this world needs is a few more rednecks. Some people ain't afraid to take a stand. What this world needs is a little more respect for the Lord and the law and the working man. And so this is another very Southern theme where you have concern for the everyman. It's not just simply, well, go build your own or, or you know, just be rich and do this. No, you have concern for the working man. And Charlie Daniels is affirming that here. And then he says uh, in the next little stanza here, I was raised on beans and cornbread and I like my chicken fried. Yes, I drive a pickup truck and I'm full of American pride. I keep a Bible on my table. I got a flag out on my lawn and I don't believe in minding no one's business but my own. And so very, again, Southern viewpoint there of you do you, I'm going to do me. I like my fried chicken and I, you know, I like my beans and cornbread. And that, that's another very distinctly Southern way of, of looking at it because the South has very unique cuisine within the American Union. The South has very, very unique cuisine. And so Charlie Daniels is saying, yeah, I like all my, my food that may not be good for me, but you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone because I ain't minding your business. So don't be minding mine. And so this is going to wrap us up, but I hope y'all really did enjoy this. Again, I, I just absolutely love old Southern music, especially the, the Southern rock and early outlaw country movement. Very good songs there. And even some of those old Confederate camp songs, again, I included those so you can see the cultural continuity over a 150 plus year stretch there. But again, that's going to wrap us up for today. Thank y'all again so much for your time and for tuning in. Please remember, if you find value in the podcast, to consider becoming a supporting listener. And don't forget to help fuel the Jeffersonian revolution by using the link in the show notes page to purchase your goldbacks today. And all right, with another episode in the books, thank you again for tuning in, and I will talk to you all next time. <laughs>